The Horror Collector Podcast, hosted by Terry M. West. <laughs> Welcome to a heard but not seen edition of The Horror Collector. I'm your host, and this is all for you, Damien. I'm Terry M. West, also known as the hardest working horror author you've never heard of. This is the very first audio-only episode of The Horror Collector. Now, The Horror Collector is a video podcast for a very important reason. I show off a lot of cool things, and you need to be able to use your eyes to appreciate them. I've recently set up The Horror Collector podcast on Spotify, Anchor, and other places, and my hope is that those listening to those audio podcast versions will be compelled to go to my YouTube channel if they'd like to see what I'm talking about. But that still doesn't mean that I can't do audio podcasts from time to time, especially if I don't need to show things off. So I've decided this is going to be an audio episode where I'm going to talk about horror collecting and how I go about it. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks and things to look for. We're going to take a very important pause for the cost, and when we come back, we're going to discuss horror collecting the horror collector way. Stick around. If you're interested in reading my horror fiction, why not start with the project I'm best known for? What Price Gory is an old school collection of monsters and demons. It's been called a horror library must-have by the Horror Nation. It's available in Kindle, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Exclusively on Amazon.com. Okay, we're back, and now I'm ready to talk about how I go about collecting my stuff. Now, I started collecting when I was a fairly young man. I collected before there was the internet, eBay, Craigslist, OfferUp, Etsy. I collected the old-fashioned way. Primarily, I collected horror comics in my youth, and I had to go from used bookstore to used bookstore, comic shop to comic shop, newsstand to newsstand, thrift store to thrift store, garage sales, conventions. It wasn't easy to track down things back in those days, but it was certainly more rewarding. One of my favorite accomplishments is collecting the Phantom Stranger Bronze Age series from issue one all the way to the last issue 42. It took me seven years to get every issue. I had to track them down many, many places. I was a huge fan of the Phantom Stranger, and what really appealed to me was that he was somewhat of an obscure character. I found myself falling in love with obscure titles and obscure characters that people weren't really collecting. I've completed many off-the-beaten-path titles. I have full runs of DC's The Freedom Fighters, The Secret Society of Supervillains. I have the Marvel title, Supervillain Team-Up. I also have the extremely hard-to-find-and-put-together Karate Kid comic. Now, this wasn't the Ralph Macchio character. This was the character of Val Armour from the Legion of Superheroes, and the Karate Kid series focused on his adventures in the past, or back then, I guess, present day. And yeah, I know these titles aren't necessarily horror, but I'm just making a point. You see, for me, the value of an item 
comic, toy, action figure, movie, whatever. To me, that's secondary. What I like are things that just aren't that easy to locate. And you don't always have to spend a lot of money to buy things that are hard to find. I found so many treasures in the discount bins and dollar boxes, and they've actually gone on to accrue a lot of value over the years. But that's how I collect. And you might collect in a different way. You might collect in a different direction. And uh, the things I'm going to be talking about here, you can actually apply to any type of collection. So I'm going to give you some of the basics, some of the rules that I kind of live by. And uh, the first rule is that I don't collect over my means. I'm very, very disciplined with how I spend my mad money. I give myself an allowance to spend on collectibles every week. I also sell a lot of items that I have that I'm no longer interested in, and I use that money to buy new stuff that I'm more interested in. I try not to spend any more than I have at any given time, and if there's something I really, really want, I save up for it. If you're not careful, you might end up with a huge, really nice collection that you're going to have to sell because you're broke and you can't pay your bills. And you don't want that. And I don't want you to have to go through that. Now, I don't mean to sound preachy or anything. It's just that collecting can quickly turn into an addiction if you're not careful. Here are some further strict rules I try to live by. I used to have storage units filled with collectibles. Now, if I can't see it, if it's not readily available, I don't want it. I decided a long time ago that if I haven't looked at a collectible in over a year, why do I even have it? I'm not really enjoying it. And I don't want to turn into a hoarder. So I try to keep what I enjoy the most visually in my office so I can look at it at any given time. Now, admittedly, there are some things that you can't have out that take up a lot of space. And I have a reasonable amount of storage space for those items. So, okay, so getting back to collecting back in the day, I didn't have the benefit of Google. I didn't have the benefit of comps on eBay or, or anywhere else. I had to rely on my own knowledge in many cases. I also kept value guides in print form. A lot of times when I would go to a comic convention, I would have a copy of comic books price guide rolled up and in my back pocket just to make sure that I was, you know, in the right neighborhood as far as cost went. And back then, if you came across something that you were desperate to have, you had no assurance that you would ever see it again anywhere else. So oftentimes I had to negotiate or beg or bite the bullet and pay what was asked because I might not ever get it otherwise. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I was a bit of a completist, so I couldn't live with having a couple of holes in a collection. And I will say that it's awesome that you can just go online now and, and look something up and find it with relative ease. But there was something about the thrill of the hunt back then. I mean, when you found something you had been looking for a long time, you really felt like you had accomplished something. I was also fortunate to be there when online collecting sort of started gaining steam. I was probably one of the earliest collectors on eBay when it just hit the net. And even that platform has grown and evolved a lot over the years. And since that seems to be the main way that people collect these days, I'm going to give you my do's and do nots as far as eBay or really any kind of a site similar to eBay where you might hunt down this stuff and, and bid for it. First and foremost, my biggest rule as far as finding a collectible online, an asking price is not what something is worth. Now, I can take a $10 item and I can 
put it on eBay and I can try to sell it for a thousand dollars. It doesn't mean that's what it's worth. It means that's what I'm trying to get for it. You're not going to find current or fair market value by looking at what a seller's asking for. You're going to find it by looking at what the item is currently selling for. Collectible markets go up and down, and what might be $100 one day might be $25 the next. Also, if a seller has something that they're offering and you'd like to get your hands on it, but you think the price is a bit out of line, send them an offer. Even if they don't entertain offers, they claim. Just email them. Just say, hey, you know, I, I like this, but it's a little steep for me. Here's, here's what I'm willing to pay. Conversely, if a seller is offering something at a fair price, don't try to beat them up anymore. One of the most insulting things in the world is to offer something at a competitive price and have someone come in and really just try to beat you to death on the cost. It leaves a bad taste in the seller's mouth. Many of the sellers I deal with love me as a customer because I don't do things like that. I'm very appreciative of what they're able to do for me and I'm understanding when they let me know they have limits. And remember, if you insult a seller enough, especially on eBay, they can just block you and you'll never be able to buy from them again. And something else you really want to try to stay on top of. Be sure that you're reading all of the information for any item being sold. It's very important to understand exactly what's being offered, the condition, the terms, everything. Really absorb it before you get excited and put in that, you know, buy it now button. I'll give you an example of, of something that happened to me a, a few years ago, and it's in the good aisle, so, you know, it wasn't a bad experience, but um, I was uh, collecting a bunch of bronze stuff, and uh, I was always watching comic bronze titles, because that's, that's my jam, <laughs> you know, that's when I was reading the most comics, between 1970 and like uh, 83. So I saw this uh, lot of uh, Green Lantern comics come up. Um, one of the ones that was in there, and it wasn't really, um, you couldn't really tell from the description, it just kind of got glossed over. One of the books they were offering, and it wasn't even in the description, was Green Lantern um, issue number 76. Now, this is a huge key issue. It's, it's, a, it's a bucket list book for a lot of people. It wasn't in great shape, but I noticed it was in there. So I thought, wow, uh, okay, I'm going to put in for that. I'm going to try to win this auction. And, and I put like a, I think a 20 or $30 bid for like four comics. And <laughs> as if it was meant to be, I remember like eBay crashed after I, after I put in my, my bid, it just crashed. And uh, it literally came back up maybe five minutes before the auction ended. And I was watching that auction and it was probably the five longest minutes, uh, you know, that I could say I've ever lived through, but I ended up getting the lot and I wasn't even necessarily in the market for that issue, but I, I went ahead and got it because I saw the value in it and I actually flipped it for, I don't know, two or 300 bucks and uh, bought some horror related stuff that I really wanted to get my hands on. So, you know, sometimes just keeping an eye on these or, or looking really close at the listings or maybe not putting in a complete title or description in your search, it pays to really look at all the auctions for something that you're interested in because there might be a key detail missing or something's just not really jumping out at people. Like say somebody listed a comic or a magazine but didn't list the number, but you could tell from the image, oh wow, that, that's one I'm really looking for and that one's pretty valuable. So yeah, just really, really keep a close eye on listings, on titles, on pictures. 
I keep a lot of safe searches so that things that I'm really into when they pop up, it'll hit my radar and I'll get a little notification and I'll go look at it. And yeah, you know, keep those descriptions like uh, a little bit fast and loose because a lot of times people just don't put enough info into their titles or listings even. Another thing too that I'm finding out more and more as the years wind on. Um, I used to be really strict about, man, if you didn't have 100% positive feedback, no way was I going to give you my business. Well, I've had to sort of revise that policy. Now I actually go on and I look. If somebody has less than 100, I look. And oftentimes, it might just be one or two bad experiences, but because their feedback is in relatively like maybe double or, or low triple digits, it really brings the score down. But you can see a lot of times when a seller was really just being screwed by somebody's feedback. And if I see that happen, like say once or twice on a seller, but they have overwhelming good feedback, I mean, I'll give them my business because it's real easy to sink somebody if you feel like being arbitrary or many times a buyer might try to blackmail a seller into like giving them more of a discount or more money off. I mean, it's unfortunate to say, but, but people are really, really uh, crappy sometimes. So yeah, so I won't necessarily penalize a seller if he has less than perfect. Other things I look at are their turnaround time, like how long does it take them to get a package out the door? What sort of mailing service they use? I'll tell you right now, media mail is probably the most abused system of mail out there. You are only supposed to ship things such as DVDs, videotapes, books, but so many comic sellers, vintage magazine sellers use it and it's just not fair. And if the post office gets their hands on it and opens it up and realizes it's not media mail, you know, you're the one that's not going to get your package or they're going to hit you up for the postage difference. Now, also, I just want to say that, you know, eBay is not the only game in town. There are uh, a few places you can go and, and get really good deals too. Don't underestimate Amazon.com. I've gone on there and found like some really solid copies of uh, Vampirella. I found some solid copies of uh, horror comics from the 70s. You can get really good deals on there. And again, keep your eye on that feedback and just make sure you're dealing with somebody that's going to give you uh, a good customer experience overall. And let's talk about how much of a purist you're going to be as a collector. Myself, as I've said, I've collected many, many, many horror comics over the years. I've had full runs of uh, Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night. I still have a ton of solid runs of the uh, Silver to Bronze Age horror titles. Now, a lot of the filler issues between the first and last issue, the conditions can be anywhere from fair to very fine to near mint. If I can't afford something I really like in top-notch condition, I'll take something that's maybe not in as great a shape. And I'll tell you, you're going to have a lot more bargaining power for something that's not in perfect shape than you are for something that's in mint. If somebody has something that's a near mint to mint, they're going to want a king's ransom for it. And there are people that are going to pay a hell of a lot more than what it's worth because they know they can get it officially graded and have something that's going to be worth a lot of money down the road. However, if you're going to somebody that has a mid to low grade item, they'll be more willing to bargain with you. I've paid far less for something that wasn't in perfect shape. And if you're just trying to complete a title, this stuff doesn't have to be in the greatest shape. Now, there are books that I've collected, comics I've collected that I've upgraded over the years. When I had an opportunity to buy something in, in closer to high grade shape, yeah, I've bought it and I've maybe taken the lower grade book and I've, you know, sold it possibly. 
but I'm not going to tell you how to collect. I'm not going to tell you what to collect. I mean, collect what makes you happy inside and just stick to those golden rules I've mentioned. Your budget, your space. And let me tell you something right now, man. Space is the collector's greatest enemy. Space will show you just how much of a problem you have as far as collecting goes. You might end up on that hoarder show if you're not careful, and nobody wants that. And I'm going to tell you, man, you don't want an intervention over comic books, <laughs> you know, or horror toys, or Funko Pops, or videotapes, or posters. Keep it reasonable. And if you are going to have a ton of stuff that's going to need storage, store it neatly. Put it in a way that you'll be able to dig through it. There are times in my life where I've had closets just indiscriminately stuffed with boxes and I had no idea what I even own. Now I keep strict record of everything I have. I can tell you everything I have in any given spot in my house because I made lists and I have to have them. I've purchased the same book the same comic, the same knickknack, four or five times because I forgot I had the damn thing. And that's just no way to live, okay? When you see my videos, you see my little, what I like to call fortress of horritude. I like these things that I love to be around me, where I can gaze upon them, where I can lovingly reflect on how they came into my life. So again, go out there, do your research, don't pull the trigger right away, don't be afraid to send an offer. I might watch something for weeks or months before I finally decide, okay, I'm going to get it. And I don't mind doing comparisons. I don't mind maybe contacting somebody who has it, but I think they're just a little bit high on it. I don't mind maybe going to a lower condition if I just want to have it. And I have things like that. I have things, like I said, that aren't in the greatest shape, but, but damn it, I have it. And hey, who knows? Maybe. Opportunity-wise, if I get a chance to upgrade it, I will. So that's really pretty much all the advice I have for you. I don't want to wear out my welcome. And um, I hope that you enjoyed the very first you know, audio presentation. As I uh, stated um, toward the beginning, the Horror Collector Podcast is a YouTube video podcast. But now we have audio versions. We're on, um, we're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. We're on uh, just about everywhere you can go. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're, you know, we're everywhere. And going forward, I'm going to try to be as descriptive as I can, even when I'm on the YouTube channel, so that you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. But hey, if you're curious, if you're like, wow, I wonder what that comic looks like. I wonder what that toy looks like. He's kind of telling me, but I'd like to have a clearer vision. Then, you know, hey, hop over to my YouTube channel. I mean, there's no reason you can't subscribe to me on YouTube and on Spotify and Anchor or wherever else. Best of both worlds, baby. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any specific questions that you'd like to ask me about collecting or, or the best way to go about, you know, getting your greedy little claws on stuff, you know, let me know and I'll try to answer it the best I can. So I'm going to get out of here. So until next time, remember, horror collectibles can be a scary business.